Well, good morning. Welcome to the Orchard. If you are over in the family experience, good morning to you guys as well. If you are online, we bid you greetings. We say this in the lobby every morning early, but it doesn't matter whether you are on site or online, you're still family and you're still loved. And so as we navigate these uncertain times and as the elephant in the room suggests, you know, we walk through and fill out things on tables, I hope that this morning we will not forget what is most important about today. Today is the Lord's Day. It is the first day of the week. It is the day that reminds us that Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death, and that gives us hope. Today is the Lord's Day, and our hearts and minds are to be captured and captivated by the glorious King who sits at the right hand of our Father, the one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Today, we have gathered, not because we got business to do, but because we need a King, and we came to worship. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn over to the book of 1 Timothy. It's going to be closer to the back. It's one of the pastoral epistles. We're going to be in chapter 3. We are in a series called The Dearest Place on Earth, taken from a Spurgeon sermon in which he said, you know, if you look for a perfect church, you're not going to find it. And even if you found one, you'd mess it up when you got there. Even with all her imperfections, it is still the dearest place on earth. And that's what we want you to experience when you come to the orchard. We want you to know that when we say that we're a family of missionary servants sent to make disciples of Jesus Christ, we want you to feel that you're welcome no matter where you've come from, no matter what the condition of your soul, no matter what place or station you might be, we want you to know that we're glad you're here and that you're loved. Church, dear to Jesus. So it should be dear to us. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, we're going to begin in verse number 14. And the Bible says this, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up into glory. And everybody said, amen. Amen. May you receive the living word of God today. May it nourish your soul and find encouragement. Now, if you're over in the family experience, I'll tell you what I'm most excited about today. At those tables, there are some kiddos, maybe some parents, who knows, that are going to be making a little portrait of their church family. So I cannot wait to see what our church family looks like. I cannot wait to see what we find on fridges all over the place. And if you have little ones in here, Pastor Sam and I want to remind you that the wiggles and the giggles don't bother us a bit. We love the fact that when we meet as family, there are small ones in here. This is a great way to let them see what it looks like when the saints gather. Remind them and teach them why we do what we do. So don't worry if they get a little noisy. There's probably some grown-ups that will too. 
And so it's going to be a great time in God's Word together this morning. So as we come to the Scripture this morning, uh, this book, 1 Timothy, written by the Apostle Paul, it's called a pastoral epistle because it's a letter to a son in the faith named Timothy. And as we come to this juncture in the letter, all this midway point, he is really kind of helping us to understand, here's what I've been up to. Here's, here's why I have been writing these things. It is important for you to know what all this is about. And he said, I'm writing this to you because I'm hoping to come to you soon, eager to be together. But if I am delayed, I, I want you to know how one ought to behave in the household of God. Now, isn't it interesting that he calls it the household of God? Now, I, I want you to know, when it comes to the household of God, we, we say this all the time, but we are an expression of God's family. And when it comes to households, every household is just a little bit different. We all got our own ways of doing things. At my house, there are certain things, there are certain expectations that we have. We have a sign in our kitchen that says that this kitchen is for dancing. We probably need a smaller sign that says, in eating sometimes too. But we like at our house to break into spontaneous, although they're not really always spontaneous, but we have dance parties on Friday morning. By God's grace, we have survived another week, and that's cause for celebration, right? And so we have certain rules, a certain conduct, there's certain things that we do. When you find yourselves in our home, don't expect a quiet place. We don't really do a whole lot of quiet at our house. There are people usually running, sprinting through various rooms, uh, especially when you have a 13-year-old son, right? And if there is one of those college-age daughters anywhere in range, he's probably made them aware of his presence in not a fun way all the time, right? But we have these certain things that we do, certain practices. There's ways that we approach the dinner table. There are things that we expect to do before that. And so as Paul walks us through, he says, listen, I want you to understand, this is the household of God. There are certain things that we do. He goes on and he says that this is also the, the, the church, the church of the living God. You think about that term, living, and you go back to Jacob there. Out there realizing surely God is in this place. He calls it Bethel, the house of God. This idea that we are the church of the living God. You think, fast forward, Moses with the tabernacle. God is always... Dwell with his people so that they may know what he is like and worship him. You move on from there to the temple, and there again, God's presence dwelling. But when we come to the Newer Testament, game changer. God has made his dwelling place with us. We beheld his glory full of grace and truth because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There is something unique and wonderful about the church gathered. The Bible tells us that there is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, when we gather on a Sunday morning, not only is it not by accident, but there are amazing things that happen. It is, the church is not a building. Pastor Sam reminded us that the very first week. The church is not a building. The church is a people. You are the living stones being formed and fashioned into a dwelling place for our God. And so when we meet, 
amazing things take place. It, it is interesting to see the way that Paul, as he walks us through this, he says, um, and this is one of those that I had a couple of people say, you're going to say that? Yes, it's in the Bible. The pillar and buttress of truth. Now, for a lot of people, you're going, okay, pillars, I don't know, is that like pillar of salt that Lot's wife turned into? Is that like pillar of the old, you know, late 90s, early 2000 Christian grunge band deal? Or are we talking, what are we talking about here? When it comes to this idea, this would have been very familiar to the church in Ephesus where this letter is being sent. One of the seven wonders of the world is there. The temple to Diana, the temple to Artemis with pillars that are almost 20 yards high, solid marble, massive. So when he says this, there were certain images that this would evoke. There are certain things that people would understand, this idea of supporting these, this roof with these massive pillars, a hundred of them. And as he walks us through all of these things, we get to that place where we go, okay, so what does this really tell us? What are we supposed to get from this? Because he goes and he says, well, I, I want to confess the mystery of godliness. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to mysteries, I liked mysteries. When I was a kid growing up, we would read, you know, uh, these mystery things, whether it was, you know, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, whether it was Choose Your Own Adventure, whether Theodore Brown, right, uh, was figuring out all the stuff. And we'd have these mysteries. When Paul speaks of a mystery, he is telling us over and over and over, listen, there is a mystery that God has been revealing through the ages, and that mystery is that Christ is the answer. Christ is the Redeemer. All of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. He tells us specifically in Colossians that Christ is the answer to the mystery. And then he goes on and he says, I, I want you to know he was manifested in the flesh. All of the fullness of God was pleased in him to dwell we are headed toward that most wonderful time of the year. I'm told that there are some stores that already started celebrating it. And as we approach this idea of Advent, the reality is that we are going to be celebrating in his Advent, his coming, and he became flesh. What a mysterious and wonderful thing. How does God inhabit a baby? How does the Son of God take to himself a body? As Paul is walking through and he says, I want you to see, you're the household of God. You're the church of the living God. You are also the pillar and buttress of truth. we got to have these confessions. There are these things that we have to hold on to. If you've ever been through one of our membership classes, one of my favorite things, Pastor Sam will say, okay, we got some things in our doctrine that are this. They're closed-handed. we got some things that are open-handed. And when it comes to those things, as Paul is writing, he says, listen, I want you to know, here's some of the things. They're not open-handed. We need you to understand all of this centers around the person and work of Jesus. When it comes to this, we need to agree on these things. Romans 1 tells us that he was vindicated by the Spirit, that after Christ died, was buried, that his resurrection was a vindication of sorts. In other words, he is exactly who he said he is. 
there were other people that had been raised from the dead, but nobody but Jesus raised themselves from the dead. And when it comes to this understanding, it says that he was seen by angels. Angels accompanying his birth. Angels accompanying him at his temptation. Angels announcing his resurrection. Angels standing and comforting the disciples as he ascends. Right now, Revelation 5 tells us that angels are singing in his presence. First Thessalonians tells us that he will come back with his angels. The God of hosts, the Lord of armies. And so we walk through these things and we say, okay, well, I'm, I'm kind of getting it. All right, you, you, you keep telling us we're this household of God. We're family expression. I, I, I see that. Uh, you know, okay, we're the church of the living God. He's not like idols. He's not some sort of uh, uh, aloof and far off. This is a living embodiment thing. And now you're telling us that when it comes to the truth, those things matter. So why is it supposed to matter to me? And I want to give you a few things why it should matter to you. First thing is this. How we feel about the church should matter because the church matters to Jesus. For a lot of people, the church is kind of this outdated, antiquated idea. As the rise of the religious nuns in our culture increases, those who have no religious affiliation as it comes to this season in life where we've gotten a more and more frantic pace when it comes to our lives and, and what we're doing, it appears that for even professing Christians that the church is just one of those things that's like, it's optional, it's if I can get around to it. And as we increasingly secularize in our nation, we find ourselves in a somewhat unique spot being here in the Bible Belt. But even here, you can see the erosion of the importance of church in our lives. Instead of seeing ourselves as family, we see ourselves as loose acquaintances. See, how we feel about the church should matter to us because it matters to Jesus. One of the things that I love about the orchard is just being together. The people. There's a warmth at the orchard that I, I, I have not found in other places. There's a uniqueness as people talk about the orchard. One of my favorite things is Pastor Sam and I have visited community groups. Is We like to ask, well, what brought you to the orchard? What's your favorite thing about the orchard? And always the answers seem to be in the same kind of place. I felt welcome. I felt loved. I felt like I belonged. See, how we feel about the church should matter because the church matters to Jesus. He founded her. He died for her. He identifies with her. He calls her his body and his bride. How we feel about the church should matter. Second thing is how we treat people matters because we represent Jesus he said, you're supposed to know how you ought to behave in the household of God. Now, I know, I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, sometimes the people that are in our families, I don't, I don't like all of them sometimes. And I'm afraid that they don't like me all the time. You know, uh, it, it's kind of like the, uh, 
that old adage to live uh, above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to live below with the saints that we know, well, that's a whole different story, right? So in case you hadn't figured this out, here's what I want you to do. Turn and look at your neighbor. Stare deeply into those beady little bloodshot backpack, my mask is making me sweat eyes, right? And say, hey, I just need you to know you ain't perfect. All right, good. I'm glad we got that out of the way because that just takes the pressure off now, right? It takes the pressure off. In case you don't know this, we are a messed up bunch of people that desperately need Jesus. That's why Spurgeon, when he said this, hey, look, this, this ain't no, uh, you know, museum for people to stare at the perfect saints. It's a hospital for sinners that barely can get in and need grace. You see, the way we treat other people matters because we represent Jesus. What happens at the orchard when somebody comes in for the first time? And I want you to know, it is wonderful. All our volunteers and staff and all the people that are out, that is incredible. But I want every member of this family to take it upon themselves to love everybody that walks in. Because that's going to make a lot of difference. For some people, that may be the first time they've heard somebody say, I'm glad you're here in years. It matters how we treat people. It matters. How we recognize what is unseen when we gather matters because it will affect the way that we worship. Say, okay, John, tell me what you mean by that. In Ephesians 3, the Bible says this, and to bring light for everyone uh, is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Listen to this. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Right now, in a realm that we don't see, angels learn about reconciliation and redemption by what we do here. Right now, we are gathered and Christ is in us, and God's presence is among us. You see, for us, a lot of times, now I don't know, I'm sure in your house, y'all have it all together, but it's like when we try to get ready on a Sunday morning, it's like the cosmic forces of the universe have aligned against us. We can basically get to work and school, we can get to online meetings, on time the whole rest of the week. Something happens on Sunday mornings, Right? I love it, and, and we laugh about it all the time. Look, I want you to know this. If you get here late, praise the Lord. Come on in. We're glad you're here. But there are things that happen in unseen realms right now. What are the angels learning about the manifold wisdom of God by the way that you worship? What did they learn by the way that you sing? You see, when it, when it comes to what we're doing here, there's a cosmic mission that's happening. God is reconciling and redeeming all things to himself. And as the household of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and buttress of truth, we are a part of that cosmic mission. Beloved, when we gather on Sundays, that's a different kind of thing altogether. Think about it. 
If we're his house, we worship in his presence, we listen to his word, we savor the elements at his table, we partake in his grace. Why would we not come every Sunday morning saying, fill this cup and let it overflow? At our house, we have this, you know, this saying, expectation determines experience. If you expect things to be terrible, guess what? Congratulations, they will be. But it's funny, you expect things to be great before you know it, you're making lemonade out of lemons, right? I remember when we were taking a vacation, uh, we, we were headed and, and everything was going swimmingly and then the car had trouble. Well, we were like, this is supposed to be like the greatest trip ever, right? We're finally breaking free. And instead, now we're all on the side of the road and it's hot and you know, we got to unpack all the luggage to try to get to a flat tire thing to try to see if we can get that wheel off to see if, you know, the little donut will still hold air and get us somewhere. or We're going to call AAA or whatever it is. And it is this thing where it's funny. We're thinking that the whole thing is coming apart. And now we laugh and tell that story with such a fondness. Expectation determines experience. What'd you expect when you showed up? When you left your house this morning, what did you expect? It matters. How we honor God's word matters because it's that place where we find truth. How we honor God's word matters because it's the place where we find truth. When it comes to this idea that all those hundreds of pillars holding up this this roof there in the temple of Diana. There, there were these massive things. We ought to hold up God's word and we ought to hold it out to others. The community group we met with last Sunday, I loved it. They said, you guys, y'all are always talking about the gospel. You're always talking about Jesus. Let me tell you, I need the gospel every day and I want everybody else to have that same gospel. And I know in our world, listen, we're, we, we are turning upside down, feet planted firmly in midair. And you say, what do we do? How are we supposed to figure this out? How are we going to navigate this? Oh, woe is me. The church is this and, and the world is turned into this. We will stand firm on the foundation. Jesus told the story. He said, listen, when you hear these words of mine and you put them into practice, you're going to be like somebody who built their house on the rock so that when the storms came, because they will come, and they beat against the house. And it looks like all hope is lost. And it looks like nobody believes. And it looks like nothing is going to work. There is a truth that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he cannot fail. Amen. Take confidence in the word of God. While everybody else runs, just take a stand. How we honor God's word matters because truth matters. And how we preach Jesus and his gospel matters because he is the key to the mystery of godliness. What did it take for God to subject himself to the humility, weakness, and difficulty of our broken world? I love the fact that Paul says, great we confess is the mystery of godliness. What was that like? 
You see, when it comes to what we are offering people, when people come to the orchard and they find a place of love, we want them to know that Jesus loved them first and that his love compels us to love them. And here is the way that you can be reconciled to God. It matters. It matters. You say, okay, John, I I hear you. Okay, so what what are we supposed to do? Let me give you five things to do today. One, prioritize church and participate in family life. Whether it's online, family experience, or on-site, prioritize church and participate in family life. It's amazing to me what happens when I get together with other people, especially if I'm struggling. The blessings and the ways that God encourages me through you. Text messages, emails, phone calls, just smiles, all the things. It just encourages me so much. We need each other. But you know that if you don't prioritize something, if you don't carve out the space for it, if you don't plan for it, you're not going to make it. Because if you're like me, I can find a zillion reasons why I don't, I just can't make it, or it's probably not a good week, or you get in those things. And with all the challenges that we have right now with COVID and what can be done and what can't be done and all the things as we're trying to navigate and love this family well, I cannot challenge and encourage you enough to prioritize the church and find ways to participate in family life. Find a community group. Find a study group. Go to the women's connect things that they're launching. Find ways to connect with other people, even if it's in smaller settings, because, man, we need each other. I need you. Two, expect to experience God's presence differently when we gather. Can I just tell you, there is something that happens to me, and, and you can all see it if you ever watch me, because probably my wife is going, bro, settle down. <laughs> when the saints sing, I just get carried away. I can't help it. I love to hear the saints sing together, and I want to sing with them. Can I tell you something? And I can tell you this because Adam and I have talked about this. When you come in here, this ain't a concert for you to listen to. This is a place to sing, and I don't care if you have a good voice or not. My voice squeaks some weeks because, you know, they start singing these songs that feel like they were made for third grade girls. And I'm like, ah! but I wouldn't change it for the world. Men, sing. Sing loud. My son used to ask me, he'd go, Dad, how come you always sing so loud? I said, well, two things, son. I was born with a big mouth, and I have no fear. But I said, the second thing is this. I can't help it. I was singing in the shower when there wasn't a band playing this morning. 
And for some reason, all the songs that came were, To God Be the Glory, because I grew up in one of those little bitty churches where we use hymnals all the time. Transitioned right into the doxology, and then I topped it off with crowning with many crowns. And you know what's funny? I didn't have a plan when I got in the shower. I was barely ambulatory at that point. But when it comes to this, I want you to know we experience God's presence in unique and special ways when we are gathered. That's why when you miss, you hear things, you go, oh, man, I wish I'd have seen that. wish I'd have heard that. So when we gather, don't come and just sit back and go, well, let's see what the show is like today because that's not who we are. Come and join the family singing. Sing bad. (laughs) Sing terrible. Because you know what? It's going to encourage others. They're going to go, well, I know it would be better than him. (laughs) It matters. I'm going to tell you, we talked about this uh, several sermons back, but weaponizing that worship, it matters. Right now, still ringing in my head because I was thinking about the scripture, crown him the Lord of life who triumphed o'er the grave, who rose victorious in the strife for those who came to save. It's one of those places where it reminds us of the truth, and there is something about singing. Martin Luther says it's the handmaiden. Music is the handmaiden of theology. Three, recognize there are some unseen things going on in this place. Sam and I are completely amazed Every week, by God's grace, through the miracle of preaching, when God takes his word and does things we didn't even plan. Last week, Sam was preaching on the flock. He was talking about shepherding in particular. And we had a young man in our midst wrestling with the call to ministry, and that's what he needed to step over the line. We didn't know that. There are things that happen unseen that you can't really put in empirical terms, but your soul knows it. When the water of God's word washes you and satisfies you and soothes you. When you started singing and the tears just started coming down and you're not sure why. Recognize that in unseen realms, God is teaching angels about his manifold wisdom through wrecked sinners who have been redeemed. There's nothing good in me but Jesus, but that is all I need. Four, trust God's word. The Google should not be your first search. God's word should. Pinterest, Facebook, go to the word. When you're trying to figure out what to do next, go to the Word. Trust the Word. At the orchard, the Word matters to us. We got to have it. Trust God's Word. And the fifth thing I would say is this. Just stay amazed by the grace found only in Jesus. Stay amazed by His grace. Let it never get old. That when you were dead in trespasses and sins and you didn't have anything to give him, that in love, there it goes again, in loving kindness, Jesus came. My soul in mercy to reclaim. And up from the depths of sin and shame, grace, he lifted me. I can hear it now.
You see, when it comes to this series, you hear words like Spurgeon said, to us it is the dearest place on earth. The first temptation is to say, well, that was a Victorian age and it's over-sentimentalized. Right now, we're just trying to figure out, is this the right spot for us? Or right now, this is just, he's got us here for a season. But I want you to know, when it comes to the church of the living God, the household of God, the pillar and buttress of truth, when it comes to the way that we view the church, the way that you see it matters. The way that you speak to your children about it matters. The way that you speak to your grandchildren about it matters. The way you speak to it to your neighbors matter. The way you speak to it to your children's coaches matters. The way that we approach the church of the living God, the household of God, the pillar and buttress of truth, it matters because it matters to Jesus. Dream a little dream with me. What would it be like for the orchard to be the dearest place on earth to you? So that for the families that Sam and I are on the phone with going, I don't know what to do for my child. So that for the marriages, I don't know how I'm going to survive. So that for the addictions, the problems, and in a cold, brutal, and violent outside world, what would it be like to create a refuge? Truly, the dearest place on earth, prioritized and participated in, recognizing bigger things, trusting in the word for people absolutely astounded and amazed by grace. It becomes a living picture of the gospel and a testimony to the saving power of Jesus. Orchard, let this not be a sermon series. Let it be how we feel. Our prayer is that you will see that the orchard is the dearest place on earth. Some of you are here and you're going, okay, I, I hear that, that that sounds great, but you've never taken the first step in the journey of faith. Because this is not some club, it's not just some thing that we do. You're made family by what Christ has done. If you have never come to that point where his grace overwhelmed you and in amazement you thought, he would save me, he would love me, I will absolutely turn from my sin and put all my trust in him. Today is that day. Some of you, it's, it's time to be official family. Some of you, you just need somebody to love on you and pray for you. I don't know where you are, but I want you to know this. Jesus does. He sees you and he loves you. Won't you become part of the household of God? Won't you be a part of the church of the living God? Won't you join us as we raise up and hold out the truth? What a kindness. We want to help you take that step so you can find myself, Pastor Sam. There'll be some folks in the room just to my right when you go out those doors that would love to pray with you if you just got questions. Any way that we can help you, we want to do that. What a great day to be together. Let's make the orchard the dearest place on earth.
Let's pray. God, we marvel at your grace to us in Christ Jesus. For that kindness alone, how could we even say thank you enough? For the mercy that you have extended to us, what do we say to such a great kindness? It is your kindness that leads us to repentance, and it is your life, O oh God, that raises us. So I pray today, O oh Holy Spirit, agent of conviction and regeneration, do what only you can. O oh God, I pray for the good of this community, for the sake of the souls gathered here, that we will all take the next step in the journey of faith. Thanks for making us your own. Thanks for giving us each other. Help us to represent you well in the world. May those who have gathered here today find the love of Jesus, the kindness of the saints, and may we truly be transformed into something that looks more like Jesus today than it did yesterday. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.